0: Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this minister, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Maybe you didn't grow up in the church like I did but I did grow up in the church. I'm a fourth generation churchgoer, which means my family has more issues than yours. And, but going through and growing through all of the different trials and struggles and the things that we grew up through, I think, I feel like The Lord, whenever the scripture said that Jesus, he learned through his sufferings. The Bible says he learned obedience. If Jesus was God in flesh, how does God learn? But in his humanity, he learned to be acquainted with our griefs and our sufferings. And so the Bible says that through his obedience or through his sufferings, he learned obedience. And sometimes we go through things that we don't think we need to go through. And when we come out the other side, the greatest thing we can learn is how did we grow in God? How are we obedient to God's will and all of that? And so I've found places in my life where I've noticed that God's grace was on my life, very strong. And maybe you have that testimony too. Maybe you have moments where God just really showed his grace for you. And... I hope today that I can talk to you for a little bit about the grace of God. Would you stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God? We believe that the Word of God is inerrant and that God has preserved His Word through time and we can learn and be instructed. The Bible says it's given for reproof, for instruction, for correction, and for training and We believe that that's why we come to the house of God on Sunday's first part of the week and learn from the word. So 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 2, I want to begin there. I'm going to begin at verse 1 and read verse 2, and then we're going to jump over to Ephesians 2 and verse 8. And I want to talk about something very important that you should be utilizing in your life and recognizing in your life every day. First 1 of chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians it says, We then as workers together, everyone say together with him, beseech or <laughs> impress upon you or beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. Everyone say, don't waste it. For he saith, I have heard thee In a time accepted, God heard your prayers, he says. And in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. In Ephesians, if you'd flip over just a few pages, it's page 1240 in my Bible. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 there say, man, if you're not say, wait on me, okay, for grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, everyone say a gift, not of works lest any man should boast, for we are the workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath ordained that we should walk in them. For grace, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God. I wanna to talk to you for a little while about don't waste your grace. Don't waste your grace. Jesus, this house is yours, this word is yours. It's anointed already. We ask for it to take root in our heart. Help me to say it in a way that's receivable, Lord God, and help those that receive it have ears to hear. That this, what the Spirit would say through your word. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen, and you may be seated. God bless you as you're seated. I grew up trusting God, and so faith in God is not difficult for me. But one thing I found out when I got older was that the trials get harder sometimes. And they're not always easy. And I remember, I'm gonna give a couple, two personal stories and I'm gonna share with you one story from scripture about Joseph. And um, I just wanna say thank you to the music staff and all those that have helped us and all those that lead us into worship every week. I was playing drums last week and um, I needed to get to the pulpit and I forgot I had the body pack on. So I took off from the drums Got one of those leash effects (laughs) where you snag and pull back. I'm like, oh, yes, this takes effort. And I forgot that I'm connected. So I'm grateful for everything they do that helps me. Didn't Reese teach well last week? Thank you, Brother Reese, for preaching the word of God. Did a good job. Amen. Whenever my wife and I decided we needed to do or move into the next dimension of what God wanted for us, We had this nice little hobby farm in Muskego. I don't know if you know where that's at. Muskego, Wisconsin. And we were like, okay, God is releasing us from this church. Her parents were pastors. And we really felt that. And I felt it early on, and I didn't say anything to her. And I just said, Lord, if you're releasing us, you're going to have to tell my wife. How many know that's true, brothers? Wife needs to know. Because if I told her, it may not go so well. I don't know. But she was... She was praying. I was praying. And I just said, Lord, would you just tell her? And we came back from a church camp and kind of just dropped everything in the in the mudroom and sat down on the couch that I used to swing Seth in my arms with. And um, she goes, do you feel like we're supposed to be here anymore? And uh, my ears perked up because I had already known a month in advance that God had already released me from that location. And we were moving into what God had for us next. And I sensed the grace of God in that moment that God was willing to tell my wife for me so that we were both on the same page. How many know that God will speak to you and to your wife and to somebody that's close to you? And you may not be married. I'm just going to tell you this right now. The world may not understand what it's like. They may be accepting of our prayers to Jesus, but they are not going to be very accepting of us hearing from Jesus. Amen. But the most important thing you can have that leads your life in grace is a download from heaven. When you get God talking to you, it's a promise from God, and his promise is always backed up. So if you want to know whether God's going to move in a situation or you want to know what's coming next for your life, just begin to seek God. Begin to pray and begin to fast and ask God, God, would you speak to me? And he will speak to you. And when he speaks to you, he offers you an opportunity to work together with him in that thing that he promised. And therefore, his grace falls on and he says, you can do that work that I have promised you as long as you work together within my will. And so... We were feeling God's grace. We just sat there and we began to talk about what God would do and this opportunity came up in Northern Virginia outside of DC and we felt like God wanted us to go and they were building like a $4.1 million church building and we thought, oh man, this is going to be great training for us. It's going to be a proving ground for us. We're going to see how how it affects the ministry to have all this financial stress and all these different things that were going to take place. And so we went out there and we were their youth pastor and we're having a great time and doing some wonderful. Things and before we left, we had to do the necessities, you know, like selling the house and getting rid of things. And I didn't know how to do any of that other than the fact that I was an appraiser at the time. I could just figure out about how much my house was worth and get rid of it. But I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, if this is you, I need you to sell this house. I don't want to put a sign in the yard. I don't want to go searching out somebody to buy our house. I just need you to prove to me that, you're, that your grace is upon this. And if your grace is upon this, I don't want to waste that grace. I want to make sure that it's your will. And I said, Lord, if you would, you sell this house for us. And we bought the house for a certain price, and we had it had grown in equity, and I wanted to see it sell at this price. You know you have your own ideas of what you want to do with something, but I began to pray about that. And the next day, I'm telling you, the next day, this guy comes walking down our driveway. And he goes, nice place you have here. And I'm like, what are you doing on my property? <laughs> Good thing I, I, I'm I, not aggressive. <laughs> I'm just a lover, not a fighter. I don't know. I'm just like, what, how are you and what are you doing here? And he's like, "I was. I just saw your house. I thought it looked pretty amazing. Wondered if you'd like to sell it. He had to help me up after i fell over and then i was like what do you what do you mean he goes well I see you have enough land here to parcel out the land into two lots. I'd like to buy one lot for my son and then build a house on the second lot and sell it for profit. And I said, I don't care what you do with the land. I just can't believe you're standing here right now because yesterday I prayed, Lord, if you want us to go to Virginia, you need to sell this house and I don't want to put a sign on the yard. And he said, well, let me come back to you on Friday. I'll write you an offer for the house. He didn't even know what the house was worth. Didn't even know if we were selling it. He just walked down the drive. How many know Jesus can do that kind of stuff for you? That's God's grace at work. It is beautiful when it happens. And so the, he came back that next day and he bought the house for over $70,000 more than what we paid for it. And it not only paid for our move to Virginia, but it paid off all the debt that we had for me going through college. Because God's grace was on it, Amen. And when God does something beautiful like that, we, my wife and I just sat there and looked at each other with tears in our eyes and went, how beautiful is the Lord? How excellent are his ways? When you just live for God and you walk for God, there's nothing God will not do. And I get emotional about it because I tell you, I could not do it on my own. We weren't financially savvy enough to make something like that happen, but God paid off all of our debt and God paid our way to the ministry he wanted us to be involved in. And not only that, but then he turned around and provided our way back here because there was a gentleman that decided when we got to the place where we were like, okay, we need to go back home to Wisconsin. There was a man that said, I'll pay for the truck, the rental truck to put all your stuff in for you to drive it back to Wisconsin. Every single time when God moved us, he opened a door of grace and all we had to do was walk through it. And I want to encourage somebody in this room, if there's something you're going through right now and you have a question mark in your mind, if you will just just find a knee, amen, if you'll just stand on God's promises while you're kneeling on your knees and say, God, if your grace would show up, if you would do a work, if you'll do something, would you show yourself, I don't want to waste any of God's grace in my life. I don't want to throw it away and so we came back and we began to minister at Abundant Life in Oconomowoc and that's where Sue is from and it's good to see you today Sue love you so much and Sue would come up and hug our neck oh I love you so much <laughs> and we just felt so loved at that church and we became their the youth pastors and there was a, a young man there that I'll call Brian is there any Brian's in the room I just want to make sure there's no Brian's in the room all right good we'll use the name Brian for so that no one is harmed in this sermon and Brian was born with a With an ailment in his body, it actually wasn't an ailment. He literally was missing a lung. He only had one lung, and we remember taking over that youth department, and we were like doing our best to raise these kids up and give them a love for the Word and give them a love for God, more than the culture of their day, more than the parties they were called to and the friends that were trying to pull them away from church, saying, you don't need that, you got your life to live, you can go back to church later. How many know that living for God when you're young saves you from heartache and regret when you're old, amen? It's the best life you can live. It's the right life to live, and so we were trying to encourage them, and we knew that it was going to be an uphill battle for a while and we built a youth team and we were trying our best and and there was this one guy named Brian and I remember him coming to me and he was saying I want I, I want to see God move in my life I want to see God do things in my life and I was like God is God's grace is upon you and he began to talk to me about the miracle that God did and and he was prayed for and and he went from one moment of having one lung and only being able to do so much with that one lung and then they prayed over him and Literally, he went back to the hospital or back to the doctor and they took another x-ray of his chest and another lung had appeared. It was fully functional. Where there was no lung, there was a lung after he was prayed over in church. And I want you to know that God does miracles like that all the time. We may not see it so much in the American church, but it does happen all the time in people that have no place to go but to God. Whenever you get desperate for God and your faith is empowered and you mix faith with your prayers, God can do miracles still today. He can. I have friends that have seen the dead raised and blind eyes open and, and... I tell you what I sometimes I get a little bit beside myself cuz I'm like god I want to see miracles like that. I d- desire that. Right? Right now all I'm seeing is different things that I have to experience in an American church and you know Facebook has never made the death the deaf to come the the dead to come back to life, but they have made the dumb talk. I I found that out. Just kidding. Just kidding. Nobody insulted yet? Don't worry, I'll get to you. We'll insult you before it's all done. I'm an equal opportunity insulter, so I just want to make sure everybody is you know, hit once or twice before they leave. So I'm praying over this guy, and I just see that, that God has done miracles in his life, and slowly, slowly friends creep in and slowly... You know, distractions come, and slowly he moves from a place where he desires God to a place where God is just, mm, okay, he's there, thank God. He, and this guy is walking around with a miracle in his body. Every breath he takes is a miracle, and yet he forgets to serve the one who gave the miracle. And I thought, how can you walk with that much grace in your life? With literally every is thank you, Lord, because of the grace of and the gift of God, and yet does not serve him today, walking with god 's miracle but not serving him today that seems like a low point, pastor why'd you bring that into this sermon because I want you to know that God will give you grace, whether you use it or not god 's grace is a gift. My wife gave me a gift for Christmas, and um she, I have a man-up trip that I'm going to go on in Wyoming. I'm going to meander through the mountains, hopefully not get lost. <laughs> Brother Dave, <laughs> hopefully not get lost. But if I do, um, she's given me one of those little, you know, like GoPro things that you can stick on, a, you know, and just like, hey, check me out, I'm amazing. No, I don't really care about how amazing I am, but I'm going to take it with me. But the thing is, is I just opened it from Christmas because I've been so busy that I didn't have a chance to really open it and get into it. and and I got this little feeling of sh- of shame and like regret and like I was hiding it <laughs> I I was hiding it in my little you know my little bookshelf so that she didn't know that I hadn't opened it yet she knew and I started feeling bad because she really went out of her way to get me something I really wanted and I really did want it and I really will use it but I just haven't had the opportunity yet and just let me preach, okay? We'll get back to <laughs> She's an equal opportunity preacher too. She preaches from the pew. and So I finally opened this thing and I've got it in this little box on my desk and I'm like, hey, you know, I feel better about it. That was a month and a half ago. Still haven't used it. It's a gift. It's still a gift. She's not going to take it back. Well, she might, she said. (laughs) But it's my gift. She gave it to me because she loves me. And you know what? When she said it there, before I even opened it, I hugged her and thanked her, the gift giver, before I ever opened the gift. But if I never use it, how do you think that makes the gift giver feel? God gives us grace. It is the gift, even so much so that he says our salvation is a gift from God, and it's not of ourselves. In other words, we can't do works. We can't merit salvation. We can't do works that merit the the goodness and the grace of God, but he gave us his grace, Ephesians tells us, so that we could be saved, and we have that grace that brings us through our faith to salvation. And we understand that if you read through the book of Hebrews, that we watch as as the Hebrew writer which they believe is Paul was saying that you go from faith into obedience that maturity in God is literally taking you from a moment of I believe in God and I believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and it takes you into a place where you begin to obey the scriptures what the scriptures have to say about your salvation and And I found out that whenever I had that gift sitting there that I began to feel like I needed to open it and I needed to use it and let her see me using it and that's the same way with God when you begin to obey God you see his gifts at work in your life and you feel like you know what God I'm thankful for all that you've given me Carla and I'm thankful for all that God has put in my life and we have a thankful spirit but we not only need to be thankful we need to unwrap the gifts of grace that he's put in our life and use them to their greatest capacity so that God can do great things not only in us but in others because grace is given to us for regeneration, for salvation, to be born again of water and of spirit. The Bible talks about two baptisms: baptism of water, baptism of spirit that regenerates us and, and the scripture tells us in ezekiel thirty six and twenty eight a new heart." also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh or a heart for me and it, it comes from a divine origin this, this new birth this salvation that God gives us it, it says so in John 1 and 13 it says which were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh that's, that's the body that's us the flesh nor of the will of man But of God How many are glad you were born of God Amen that you're saved, sanctified and cleansed. It's essential for us to have this experience with God in order for us to have spiritual vision and, and use the gifts that God has given us of grace. John 3, 3 says, Jesus answered and said unto him speaking to Nicodemus, verily, verily I say unto thee, except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There's vision that comes from the salvation process, not just salvation. Grace is given to us for salvation to become a new creation in Christ Jesus we have to have the gift of grace amen second corinthians 5:17 it says therefore if any man is in Christ he is a new creation everyone say new creation old things are passed away behold all things are become new i'm grateful that i'm not who i used to be how about you I'm grateful I'm not tied with an umbilical cord to my past, and I don't have to be worried about what I once was, but now I'm made new in Christ Jesus. It's a necessity for our salvation. Titus three, five says, Not by works of righteousness which ye have done, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Grace is given to us as a gift for regeneration. Amen. Because we have a heart that leans, that leans toward things that we should not do. And Paul even said, even Paul, the apostle, the amazing writer of the epistles, three quarters of the New Testament written by him, he said, when I want to do good, I find myself not doing good. And when, when, when I try to do the things I ought to do, I end up doing things I ought not do. And so Paul was saying, I got this struggle between the flesh and the spirit. And the Bible says that the Holy Ghost will come to us. and the Holy goes, will fill us, amen, and it will give us a new heart, a heart that desires the things of God. And when we desire the things of God, it teaches us and gives us vision for the gifts and the grace of God that's in our life and how God wants to use those gifts to not only bless us, to bless others, amen. And so as we read in Corinthians, it says that if you back up into 2 Corinthians 5 because the Bible was broken into chapters later in its writing. And you can kind of see the, the process of what's going on here in the Apostle Paul's writing. He says, therefore, in verse 17 and chapter 5 of Second Corinthians, he says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, everyone say in Christ, that is important. He is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Not only do we have the reconciliation to God through Jesus Christ, but we also have the fact that we now possess the opportunity to bring reconciliation to others. Amen. My second personal story. Sorry for so many personal stories. I'm a real open person. I, If you know me, you know I am who I am. If you don't like it, um, come back next week. Maybe I'll be a better friend. I don't know. Maybe I'll be less transparent. But we are, we're by the... And I'm super tacky too. Yeah, I'm super tacky sometimes and so awkward. And But I love what God does with his people. And so we were trying to buy a house. Forgive the house reference the third time. And um, we were walking through several houses thinking, Lord, what would you want for us? And we didn't want to waste God's grace in this situation. We knew we needed a house in the city that we ministered in. And we've always prayed that. The first time we bought a house, we said, Lord, I need more education, I need a house in the city where I minister and I need a job in the city where I minister. And God gave me a job as a funeral director. Whoa, that's weird. Um, And the funeral director that owned the funeral home paid for all of my college. And he gave us a home in the city where we minister. And I took care of, well, I cleaned the funeral home for four years while I went to school. But I learned how to be a funeral director through that as well. And he gave me the job at the only funeral home in town where we ministered. He did all that for us because His grace is sufficient. Amen? His grace is powerful. If you put something in God's hands and trust Him with it, He'll take care of it. Amen. And so Sarah, Sarah and I have been in volunteer ministry most of our life. How many know being a preacher makes you poor? <laughs> you know, someone knows, hey, yeah, I've been been around preachers before. You don't get paid a whole lot when, you get pre- when you're a preacher. So you try to do things outside to help you with you know, your income, and, and I've always kind of started businesses and stuff like that. And I was like, we got to a point, Sarah and I, where we were talking, and she always cringes when I share personal stories. She's like, How much of our personal information are you going to share on the World Wide Web? Because it's not just us here, people are listening online. And we got to pray, and we're like, God, why did you put us in a city to start a church where people have $100,000 of discretionary income every year? Just, We're going on safari. Oh, nice. We're, you know, We're going to Europe for three weeks. Okay, cool. God bless you. And so we were just talking to the Lord, and we had looked over our life at all the financial hits we took. Because there was times when I was in businesses and I thought, this is what God wants to do to provide for us. This is where God has chosen to bring money in so that we can minister over here. And I was, I was the chief operations officer of a, of a military company that did the refresh parts for all the US Humvees. And I thought, this is it. This is God's grace. This is the one that's going to help us pay to launch the church. And God said, no, I've got better plans. And he just kept moving me to the next thing. And sometimes it hurt worse, and sometimes it didn't hurt so bad. But every time it was a step of faith and a step of grace. And so this last time I had a job that was offered to me and I felt like the Lord told me, God's gonna use this job to help us buy a house. And so we were like, talking looking over finances and all of those different things that you do before you buy a house and getting your house in order and all everything lined up and we were like you know looking at all the things we've done for the lord it has costed us about this much in our life and then we i went on a prayer drive and the lord said turn here do you like that house and i said yes i do That's kind of crazy, but the Lord said, you can have it if you want it. So we put an offer in on it. We didn't know what we were offering. We just liked the house. It felt like home. And we close on it this Friday. Amen, somebody. We got the appraisal back, and there's over $100,000 of equity in the house. That's the grace of God. The amount, sorry, I get emotional. The amount of stuff, the amount of time, the amount of money that we lost in our life. Give me a second. (laughs) That we lost in our life doing volunteer ministry. God's given back to us this Friday. Because of his grace. Because of his grace. And he will do that for someone in Brookfield. He'll do that for you. He'll do that for you. He'll do that for anybody that trusts the gift of God's grace. He doesn't just do it for salvation. What he's saying is grace is the gift of God. And it brings salvation to your life. And if he can do that with his grace, if he can save us to the uttermost with his grace, Think about what his grace can do for you in every area of your life, in every other place in your life, any place where you feel like you lost something, Kim, where you lost something, God will replace it with his grace, and he'll wash you in his word, and he'll regenerate that area of your life, and he'll give you something for what you felt you lost, and his gifts are always beautiful. Amen, Amen, somebody. And grace allows us to also be repositioned, amen? God repositions us with his grace. You guys know the story of Joseph. You can read it yourself because I'm running long and I want to keep on time, but Joseph has a dream. He's a dreamer. Any dreamers in the room? Got a few dreamers? Yeah, you're misunderstood, aren't you? I have some dreams, and uh, like Joseph, he shared them with his family, and they were like, "Man, I don't like that." He said, I've, "I I dreamed that I saw some some uh, barley. I think it's white barley wheat. Some shoots of barley. I just think of it as a bunch of grass that's bundled up, you know, like they do in the fall." And he said his rose up while the others laid down and paid obeisance to him. And he's like, are we your brothers? Are we going to serve you? He was talking to his brothers. Are we going to bow before you? And then he saw one of the sun and the moon and the stars bowing before him. And and um, I read through the entire story just so that I could paraphrase it for you. But and then his father and his mother and his father said, are, are you saying he rebuked him? Are you saying that we're going to bow before you, your father and your mother, we're going to bow before you one day? How, how crazy is that? But I want you to know that God gives big dreams, amen? And other people may not like those dreams, so be careful who you tell your dreams to. Because your dreams are between you and God sometimes, and you need to let God put his grace on those dreams to bring them to pass, because sometimes people will not understand them. And God gave Joseph a dream so big that it took Egypt to fund it. That's how big his dream was. He had to take him out of the economy he was in because that economy could not support the size of the dream that God put in him. I'm speaking to somebody in here. You got a dream so big, you want to build 10 companies. You want to do something so big that others can't even quite understand it. Maybe you want to save save 10, 13, 24 orphans and you plan on building a big, huge house out in the country and giving them all a, a safe and happy home. I don't know what your dream is, but I promise you, if you lay it into the grace of God, it will happen for you. If you lay it into God's hands, it will happen for you because he can do that. Because you honor him when you give him your dream back. Joseph had to work on the dream of a Pharaoh before God let his dream be worked on. Sometimes God puts you in a place where you have to help somebody else with their dream before he lets your dream be enacted. And you might be in a place right now where you're working for somebody, you're doing something and you're like, I am just spinning my wheels. But remember this, when you help somebody get to the place where God has called them to go, God is also building you to get to the place where you're supposed to go. And so Joseph has so many stories where he he was excelling and then something happens and everything breaks apart. He gets into Potiphar's house and he's doing well and he shows him he's a great leader and Potiphar's wife apparently was very attractive and decided that she really liked the way Joseph looked. He looked really good in skinny jeans and you know high tops and his converse were amazing. And she pursued him. But he said, How can I do this thing against my master and my God? He knew that cheating. In that situation or falling into that kind of trap was not just something that he did, but it was a sin against his God. And so he lost his coat, but he kept his character. And what I found out with Joseph is when you get to Genesis chapter 50, you find something very powerful that Joseph learned in his entire life. And I want to give it to you today. Chapter 50, you see that in verse 20, he said, His brothers were before him, and what happens is there's a famine that comes on the land of Egypt, and it actually affects all of the land, all the way out to Canaan, where his father and his mother live. And his father and his mother come into Egypt to survive. In other words, Joseph's dream, his dream, even though hated by his family, spared his family. It spared him. So they all end up moving into the land of Goshen, I believe it is. Is that right, Carla? Yes, correct. Goshen. And then it says here in verse 50, this is the end of Joseph's life, and he's giving a principle that's very powerful for you in living out the gift and grace of God. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. So there was going to be seven years of famine, or seven years of plenty, and then seven years of famine. Is that right, Rob? Thank you. And so what we have here is we have an experience of a man who stayed in the grace of God and walked in the will of God through all the hardship, through all the struggles, through all the trials. And even when Potiphar's wife came after him and then lied about him and he got thrown back in jail, in one day he came from jail to the palace. Amen? When you get in God's will, things will change for you overnight when God enacts the plan. You can go from a place where you never thought you would be to a house with $100,000 of equity in it. Overnight, in one day, I'm going to fly in from California on Friday, sign the paperwork on the house, and run. literally because there's that much blessing in what we're getting and I want blessing for you but you can't do it if you don't leave your dreams in the grace of God if you don't leave what God calls you to be in his hands and let him work on it just serve where you are and God will promote you amen when he wants to promote you Genesis 50 verse 24 through 26 is where you find the truth that he says my brother's meant it for evil side note they sold, they sold him into Egypt through a mission. Never mind, I won't go there. That's going to take too long to say. Ishmaelites, you guys know, study out Ishmaelites, where they came from. God used Abraham's mistake to get Joseph to Egypt. Never mind. Let's move on. That's so much fun. I, I want to preach it, but I can't. I don't have time. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die and, I, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of the land which he swore to Abraham, unto the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. He said, I'm going to die, and God's going to visit you, and then God's going to relocate you. You have to understand whenever we start talking about revival, as we've been doing for the past few months, and we talk about God's visitation on this church, that God's going to relocate some of us into places where we were destined to be. Amen? And we're going to see ministry and grace like we've never seen. Ministry it just means serving, a service. You're going to get to serve people you never thought you could serve. You're going to have patience in places you never thought you would have had patience with people. Amen? You're going to be able to, to serve that manager that's just a pain in your neck but yet for some reason you've kept the job and now they're moving on and you're getting bumped to manager somehow there's going to be a place in your life where God's grace will show up because when he gives you the gift of grace he expects you to gift it to somebody else when you give grace you get more in return from God because he'll never let you empty yourself when he gave the gift initially so Verse 26, it says, And Joseph died, so Joseph died being 110 years old, and they embalmed him. Hey, look, there's funeral directors in the Bible. Embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. And they took him to the land of Canaan, where his fathers were promised later on. But he said, When God visits you, God relocates you. And so whenever God's grace is on your life, he will reposition you. And the last thing. Is this okay today? Okay. And the last thing is God will allow you to have repossession. Repossession. Anything that's lost in your life, anything that you feel like you've laid down, God has twofold. He'll give you double for your trouble. Amen? That's the message of Job. He lost everything, but when he got done, he had twice as much as what he had because he left his life in the hands of God. And he said, I don't know where you are, God, right now. When everything went up, fell apart, he said, I don't know where you are, God. I've looked on the right hand and I've looked on the left and I cannot perceive him on the left hand where he works or the right hand in power is what he was saying. He, God hasn't showed up powerful for me. God is not working for he, he, but he is definitely working for me on the left hand. But even though I don't perceive it, I have no recollection, my senses, I, I can't centrally feel. Feel or tell what's going on with any of my five senses, but I know he's still working and he's going to give me what I've lost back. He's going to allow me to repossess what has been taken from me. Scripture talks about the, the wasted years and that God is a redeemer of the wasted years. And I want you to know that one of the greatest things you can study in your Bible is that your God is a redeemer. Amen. That he restores things that fell apart and he'll renew things that you never thought would be renewed. And so I find that if he's my redeemer, I don't want to waste the grace that's in my life. It's more than just restoration. It's a true repossession of what was lost. And if we know that loss is going to be recovered someday, Someday we're going to see him again. Someday we're going to dance on streets of gold. Someday we're going to have the chance to see all of what was affected by our life of grace, living the gift of God in our life. And so we see that Joseph said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And because God used all of it, many were saved alive. How much could God do If he saves us through his grace, how many people could God save through you if you give the gift of grace to others? How many people one day standing on streets of gold will you have a reunion with? or somebody will walk up that you never met before but they listened online or they or they saw your testimony you lived out Jesus in front of them and maybe you're the only Jesus they'll ever see maybe you're the only Bible they'll ever read but maybe just maybe that was the one thing the catalyst that made them go searching for Jesus and they found their own gift of grace in God and now you're standing on streets of gold and they say hey my name is John and you don't know me but you once witnessed to so and so and then they witness to me and now I'm here saved because you lived a life of grace in God. What happens with the chain reaction of God's grace? You gain back all that was lost. In John 15, 16, I want to give you this for you to take it with you and just kind of, I don't know, think it over this week. Just kind of chew on it in the back of your head like um, something that would be you know, something nourishing to you. And John Fifteen, sixteen. there's a powerful truth. It says, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. Are you glad about that? That God chose you? That you should go and bring forth fruit. This is talking about a life lived in grace. That you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should what? Remain. Even if you lose it, it's not lost. God's going to give you a repossession of everything you lose because your fruit's going to remain, that whosoever ye are, uh, whosoever ye shall ask, whatsoever, I saw it, and that whatsoever ye shall ask, you know what happens with me up here as I'm reading my notes of what I'm going to say next while I'm trying to read the Bible? It's really not a good idea. And whatsoever ye shall ask of your Father in my name, he may give it you. In other words, he's going to give you whatever you ask in his name. So I'm wondering today, what do you need to remain? What do you want to have as your expected end in the days to come? Maybe you want God to do something in your family. Maybe you want God to do something for a friend. Maybe right now you're seeing somebody go through one of the hardest moments of their life. And you're standing on the sidelines going, I don't know how to be a good friend. I don't know how to pick them up. Best thing you can do is just lay right down next to them and let them talk for a while. Just be a friend that's present and live out the grace of God in front of them and watch God do amazing things in your life. Would you stand with me today? Paul exhorts us to have spiritual progress. Your spiritual progress is based upon how well you use the gift of grace in your life. Today, if you will, the scripture says in Hebrews, today if you will hear the voice of the Lord. We read it in Ephesians that today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. I wonder if there's someone that you need to carry a truth to or someone that you need to witness to. There's so many powerful things with the Holy Spirit that you can have. If you live full of God's Spirit, He'll... He'll ping you. He'll talk to you. He'll, he'll get your attention when you need to pray for somebody. He'll literally tell you that someone is in need, or you won't even necessarily have to know all of it if you pray in the Spirit. If you learn how to use the gift of the Holy Ghost in ways that, that we were meant to use it, you can do like my friend who was speaking to us this weekend at a conference. Joshua was driving a Ford Accord, not a Ford Accord, a Honda Accord, and he came onto a ramp and he didn't see the truck that was coming and a semi slammed into him. And it literally crushed the car around him. And Rick Gonzalez was at a funeral, didn't even know anything about it, but he felt the grace of God show up and the spirit of the Lord said, you need to pray for Joshua. Didn't know anything He walked around in that church to a prayer location, just went to the corner and I think he said it was in a back room and he began to pray in the Holy Spirit. And he began to speak in tongues and use the gift of God. And I, I believe that we need to desire gifts, amen, as the scripture says. And he's well used in some of those areas, the gift of faith, the gift of prophecy, the gift of knowledge. You need to seek those out in the scripture, study them and find out if God's given me the gift of grace to save me, then what other gifts does he want to give me that I can use to help save others? And so he began to pray and the ambulance came and he got to the hospital finally after having a moment of strong intercession And then he found out he had been in an accident so he went to the hospital from the funeral and when he got there, he was greeted by the two surgeons that met Joshua as he was brought in in a very serious, life-threatening situation. His ribs had been crushed and the bones from his ribs had punctured his lungs and they were filling with blood. And he was not going to make it. His spinal cord was severed just below the neck because of the The impact of the truck hitting the car was so great. And Rick Gonzalez just texted out to a few of his spiritual leadership. He said, would you pray? This is a desperate, desperate situation. He was extending the gift of grace. He was saying, God, if you would just give grace in this situation, if you would heal and if you would deliver. We we reserve the right to ask God for a miracle, amen? Amen. We reserve that right because we're saved by grace. And so he prayed for God's grace on the situation and the doctors came out and they said, look, he's never gonna walk again. If we get his lungs repaired, they had tubes coming out of his lungs to drain the blood. If we get his lungs to work right again, he will have a hard time breathing for the rest of his life. And there was others that had gathered around and eyes were red and people were, reserving themselves to the fact that this is not going to be something Josh would come back from. And Rick said, hey, hold on a minute. I reserve the right to pray one more prayer as a pastor. I want to walk in there and just ask for God's grace on this situation. And he extended the gift of grace that had been given him. And he went in and he prayed for Joshua and he took him by the hand. And Joshua was still out, just completely not a, not coherent, and he began to pray in the Holy Ghost, and he said, God, would you save him? Would you heal him? Would you restore him? He said, Joshua, if you can hear the voice of your pastor, I want you to squeeze my hand. If you can hear that I'm praying God's grace and God's power over you, I want you to squeeze my hand. And Joshua's eyes opened and what he was not supposed to do with a severed spine, he squeezed his pastor's hand. Joshua just graduated from CLC in Stockton, California, and he's now going into ministry. He fully recovered. His spinal cord fused itself back together again through a miracle. He's got documented, it's broken, prayer was made by my pastor and there I am walking, talking, normal. A miracle from God because he just said, hey, maybe God's grace would show up in this situation. I'm not asking you to go pray for somebody on their death. I'm just saying, maybe you, when you're driving by that emergency vehicle on the side of the road and you see an accident, maybe you could just say, God, would you let your grace be on that? Maybe you could be a vessel to release grace in your workplace or release grace on somebody's life that doesn't even know how to pray. Maybe you could be the one that walks into a situation and says, I know it doesn't look right right now, but I'm gonna pray for you and God can do something. We gathered around the last amendment yesterday of the house and there's a little island in the kitchen and Jerry's our real estate agent. And I just said, Jerry, I've already had a talk with him about God, he said, he listens to God. And I said, Jerry, would it be okay if we pray, closing with this? He's like, sure, I guess so. He's a sweet man, has has a kind spirit. And we began to pray and I said, God, establish this house for ministry there be ebb and flow of people coming and going, people that feel safe here and can come and talk about the things of God. And we can have faith conversations in this place and sit down and we can share the the, the lift of life and the, the glory of God's presence would be on this house. We dedicate and we establish this place for ministry. In Jesus' name, and we thank you for Jerry bringing him into our life. And we thank you for this great blessing. And when I got done, I looked up and Jerry's eyes were all red and tears were running down his face because God was doing a work of grace. That's what I want for you. Not that you have to be a preacher or that you have to hear every time. God says park here. God says wear blue shirt. That's not what I'm talking about. That's super spiritual wacko, crazy. Okay, I'm talking about that when God speaks to you or when God moves on your heart, You just say, Jesus, move in this situation. Jesus, I trust you with this. I can't do anything more but trust you with it. Be a gift giver of grace. Jesus, today there's somebody in this room that wants what I just spoke about, that has seen the power of God move in their life already and you've been leading them for a long time, Jesus. You've brought them through many relationships, many hardships and trials. You've brought them through many moments of glory and grace and they may have even turned to you and said, God, it is all because of you. And they've honored you properly, Jesus, in every single trial that they've been through or every single moment of glory, they've given that glory back to you, Jesus, because you brought them through. But maybe today, we could just walk out of here with the revelation of the gift of grace of God. Maybe we could go into a new day saying, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to lift my spirit through the word and through the worship of God. And I'm going to find a place to shed some grace today. I'm gonna get so full of God's grace and his glory that I'm going to walk around and just say, God, put your grace on that. And God, put your grace on that. And God, would you just touch and put your grace... I pray a covering over everyone in this church right now of grace. I pray a grace over their home. I pray a grace over their vehicles. I pray a grace over their family. I pray a grace over their future. I pray a grace over their their regeneration. I pray a grace over their repossession. And I pray a grace over the relocation you have for them. And I pray a grace of visitation in their homes that in nighttime or in daytime, they know that, Jesus, you're right there. You're just a breath away. Be with them, I pray. In Jesus' name. I'm opening the altar. If you want more grace in your life, you can come. You can ask God for extensions of grace in areas where it seems like the relationship has fallen apart. Maybe you need somebody to just pray with you. Maybe you need someone to extend grace for you and pray over you. Maybe you need someone right now to just stand next to you and not really even know what the situation is for your life. And you're bringing it to Jesus in a private moment. You know what your struggle is, but maybe it'd be okay if someone walked up and just prayed some grace on you and just laid their hand on your shoulder and said, I don't need to know what the struggle is. I don't need to know what your need is, but I pray grace over you.